0: Hi, I'm your host, Dave O'Hearns, and this is Branding Done. We're here to rid the world of bad design and poor communication through powerful branding. Each episode, we'll be speaking to different people from different backgrounds to hear their stories and experiences and uncover what a brand truly is. So, today we've got Victoria Brown, MD of HPC, high performance consultancy, and founder of OneHR, which is an all in one software platform for growing businesses. Me and Victoria met probably eight to nine years ago at a networking event, just getting our businesses out there. Both businesses have grown substantially since then. So, we're going to hear from Victoria and find out how important values are to the HR function of a business. Good morning, Victoria. Thanks for joining us today. Been a little while since we 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 spoke uh, properly. Kind of bumped into each other at a networking event um, the other week. But yeah, today we're going to talk predominantly around values, both from a personal perspective and and a business perspective, and how that kind of impacts the way that you go about living your life and running businesses. Well, first we dive into that. Just rummaging around on your LinkedIn profile, I know it says that you set up your first business at the age of seventeen. Um, and and during this time as well you've successfully sold a business as well so just to help everyone understand what it is you do and and that background of starting at such a young age you want to give us a bit of detail around why you started at 17 and 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 what it was and
1: yeah absolutely that's nice to see you Dave well to speak to you today Dave yeah so I set up my first business at 17 and it wasn't it probably kind of fell into it which I think a lot of people do I was quite studious at school I was a bit of a nerd I used to um, be very academic and my mum always always saying to me oh you know you need to go out and I'd be like well I want to revise um, and my sort of dream was always to be uh, a doctor so sort of so you get the grades and, and go to medical school uh, and that kind of came crashing down when I was 16 because my mum and dad got divorced um my mum was in a, an abusive relationship, so it was the right thing and it was uh, great for us as a family. But we went from being very comfortable to, you know, having nothing really. So my mum could not have put me through, um, you know, medical school and it was too much to, to ask. So I, I gave up on that dream and decided that I was still going to fund myself to, to study but I would need to fund that myself. So what could I do? Uh, and, you know, I could get a, a job maybe in retail and not earn so much money, or I could actually do something for myself. So I really liked fitness. I was always, always kept myself fit. I was quite a keen kickboxer at the time. Uh, so I could get all my aggression out that way. So I went and studied to do, at, at the time, you know, the PTs now aren't they, but, you know, we were we were gym instructors and I used to do what we call exercise to music at the time. So I uh, used to rent out church halls and I had like the, the kit, you know, and the, the speakers. And I used to do like a like a boxing type exercise, aerobics type session. And it was brilliant. You know, I got paid well at the time to do it. And I had um, like a quite a strong following. And as you can tell from the accent, I'm from Liverpool and scouses like to look after themselves. You know, women like to... Um, They they make sure they've got the hair and makeup done. So I ended up sort of venturing into the hair and beauty industry. So uh, with the help of the Princess Trust, I got some funding, which was fantastic. And I set up um, a business, I uh, I rented a shop and I had a few beauticians. And then I bought a property a couple of years later um, and went into hair as well. But then during that time, I went to university so it funded me to to, do, to study but what I did instead was psychology so I did a psychology degree and then I went on and did a master's in business psychology which I've always been fascinated in, in what how we tick and how you can get the best out of people and that was one of the reasons how I sort of fell into HR because it was a natural progression into into sort of HR it's uh, I ended up working within HR. And then um, went to night school and did my studies around employment law as well. So I have that
0: background. Uh, so yeah,
1: that was sort of where, where I it started.
0: It's quite a journey that then, quite varied. Um, <laughs> but obviously, you know, still business focused. And can often be the case that an entrepreneur ends up doing something that they just believe they can make better or greater, but it might not be their um, exact skill. You know, I, I happen to be a designer and run a brand agency so I've become kind of a person in production that then runs a the company but it's not always the case is it you, you can have people just find an, find an opportunity and think that's what I could operate a business in it sounds like a lot of yours were passion led
1: I think I think I suppose at the time if I'm honest it was probably a means to an end I wanted to to study um I was good you know i quite fit I enjoyed it I thought well why not get paid to do this and I saw an opportunity with the sort of following that I had that actually well you want to look after yourself so maybe I can get you to, to get your hair done by us or, or your makeup so I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I was particularly passionate about sort of the hair and beauty industry you know I've, I've worked with some fantastic people that are very very talented in that way it wasn't necessarily something I wanted to do forever what was interesting about it was I got to see how difficult it was as a business owner um, because it's quite a tough industry to be in. You know, you've got um quite a lot of employee relations issues, you know, absence, young people working for you. They have a lot of cash at the time. so quite easy to, you know, slip something into your pocket. And it, it was tough because there wasn't anything really out there. You know, I was only a small business. I had seven staff, I think, in the end. Yeah, I couldn't afford a, a lawyer to sort of support me through some of the nuances of employment law. And I didn't want to go to one of the call centres. I didn't want to be a number because, you know, I was passionate about my, my business. I was proud of what I built, even though it was really small. I didn't want to be a number. I wanted somebody to know who you know I, I was and, and understand my business. So it, it was fantastic in that way because I felt it gave me the foundations of where, you know, I did make some some big mistakes there and I learned from them. I obviously bought property so that set me up in sort of I do do a little bit around property now so that from a quite young age I got involved in property by default and it also gave me I knew I wanted to do something and I think when I saw I I saw what I felt was a gap in the market for a good personable boutique HR provision that I didn't believe you know was available at the time.
0: So Going back to like keeping yourself fit and the health-based side of um, setting up a business, your current business, or so you've got a few, but your, your main business being been high performance. Is that a name that you think has come from that particular background as well, from like a competitive sports angle, or is that not the reason for, for high performance? Is it a different reason?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it is. I am quite you know competitive in that regard with myself. And when I was thinking of the name sort of thought of I wasn't sure whether I would just be HR because obviously I had the psychology background I did do quite a bit consultancy early on just very specific to sort of business psychology in some in large organizations so I needed something that was a bit more not like my software business which is quite specific to 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 HR something that would encompass all but you know, Matt, the idea would be that you work with high performance and we create that high-performing team for you, which, you know, it's not just about tick box and making sure you're compliant with your contracts and handbook. It's about actually, you know you know this day from having such a fantastic team. It's that employee engagement is is massively important. And it's something that is really missed by some of the larger call centre type operators because that's just not the service that they deliver.
0: And so do you find that, When you're working with your clients, obviously, uh, HR perspective, that is obviously important when it comes to people, people management, um, culture, engagement, and stuff like that. Do you find a lot of your clients have strong values and and it's something that you try and tease out of them to onboard a new client so you can understand the makeup of their business? How how does that play out on a a day-to-day basis? Because you're you're influencing the, the way their culture might work or they're trying to tell you how their culture works how often do you see that being a real importance to clients
1: I think that is one of the most important things you know Dave and when it's interesting when you say sort of tease out of them because that's exactly what you have to do sometimes because I think sometimes people sort of will talk to us and a lot you know they may be small business owner that's sort of grown to a certain point and not have those foundations in place uh, so you know not and the things that we have to have you know we know we have to be legally compliant have contracts and handbooks and it's not the most exciting thing but a business owner has to do it and a lot of the time you know they will just have quite standardized policies as you expect to be compliant but it's trying to understand you know and they'll have amazing businesses and you know passion and and the, the core values of built that business at that point but it's not communicated anywhere it's you know, I don't even think a lot of the time their employees and the people that work for them know, which is which is hopefully, you know, something that we try and do and try and encourage them to be able to work through that and feed that into their full employee life cycles. And it makes it, it really does make a, a massive difference to the engagement of their people and, and productivity.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, there's another reason why we're, you know, we're, we're doing these podcasts and talking to different people from different areas within a business, um, you know, obviously, you've been a HR specialist, but we we obviously, from a brand perspective, try and get over the fact that once you've got values in place for the business, that means everyone in the organisation needs to know them, live and breathe them, and make decisions on the business about it. So, you know, from an identity perspective, we might need to shape an identity via colour and type and tone of voice and other feelings to give off some of those values which is fine because that's what we do. But internally, they're not often embraced as much as they they probably should be. And in an HR function, they have the ability to shape the way the business operates and how it engages with partners, employees, based around values and things like that. Are you seeing a greater appetite for that? Because the reason why a company exists, its purpose, its value structure, I think it's becoming more prominent. And I think people, when they're getting recruited, want that more from a company. Are you feeling that from an HR perspective as well, that companies are getting a greater appetite?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is partly to do with that generational shift that we've got now. You know, that expectation for the younger generation now that they want to know our purpose. They want to know our why, don't they? Not just that we want to make load of money and retire one day. Sometimes the challenge that I do find is that tick box exercise and talking to a client where they may have had to put like an investor pack together or a business plan and they've got, you know, their, their vision and their values, but they're not really true to those vision and values. So they can never really embed those, those sort of core values because they don't really believe in them. So we do find quite a lot of the time it's going through that exercise as well to say, well, what are your values? And they might be just something we've googled and picked up and do, do you really believe in them? Because if you don't, the yeah. team aren't going to. But you're totally right on recruitment as well. I think that whenever I get caught up in like what I call employee relations or so a dispute, a lot of the time if the employee is not right to the business and it's a culture challenge of bad attitudes or just it's from the recruitment process and it's because they've not embedded their core values into some of the questions. And it actually might not be for that person, it's not it's nothing to do with performance. Um, it's just they're just not the right fit for that organization and vice versa. And it's been missed, it's such an important part of the process.
0: It is, yeah. I think people can get carried away with the CV written well and they've got the right qualifications or they're they're saying they've got the right skills, who's to know whether it's right or wrong and they might perform well in an interview. But it's actually challenging what they're about as a person and are those values aligned to what we are because I'm a big believer that if you can get people in an organization that are closer to your values, and that doesn't mean the same type of people, you can still have you know diversity, but they have a similar mindset and similar beliefs and value systems and structures. You're, you can get a team 80%, 90% close, you can have a great performing team. And if they've got the right mindset, they'll upskill and train and become better anyway. You can have skilled people that just don't have the right value for the business and actually bring the business down, mm-hmm. which is when you probably get more disputes, I guess, from a HR. absolutely,
1: absolutely. No, to- totally agree. And I, I always say that to clients. As you say, if they've got the appetite to learn and the ability. We, we can always upskill our, our people. You know, I I love to to grow my own sort of, talent within within our organization but if they've not got the right value match and and I've I've done it you know I've I've recruited the wrong people and I've just looked in the mirror after thought, Mm -hmm. I mean that actually at interview you know and you've got that gut feeling and and that niggle thinking and sometimes you're that desperate for the role that you just you forget don't you you ignore that you know sort of feeling saying no actually don't take this person on and nine times out of, uh, out of ten it was right and you should not you should have
0: waited no you, you're right I, I think that's the problem with all parts of, of this is some some businesses don't have values at all don't haven't written them down haven't documented them either don't believe in them or don't know they exist others like you've said sometimes write them but never action anything but you all get busy and we can all make decisions like you say even though you know about values and you'd love to behave that way, you need to fill a role and you forget. And like you say, you should look back at yourself, hold yourself accountable. And that for me, that's what values are about is shaping an organization that has values so that we can all have a framework to say, this is how we operate. And I've grown up conversations around, you know, if it is a review, for example, you say, oh, when you did this, you could have been a little bit more this because that's one of our values rather than it being the opinion of an owner or a boss which feels like they're nagging someone all the time but it's just their opinion whereas if you're saying oh these are our values if you remember when you were inducted these are the values i need you to celebrate this value more that's when i think you'd probably get a better performing organization
1: definitely and you you, you, your values become alive then don't they so you know i've a lot of organizations can do they can put them down on paper they might put them on the wall that we see they may talk about them at interview and then they're just forgotten so that is for me that's so important when I talk about that employee life cycle you know it's starting at recruitment and then it is you know as you say performance reviews appraisals we do something um like we have like a star system so you know everybody will sort of send stars or um clients can as well to our team for doing a great job but they're linked and aligned to our values so it just again always at business reviews reminding people of our our values and always I think you just got to live and breathe and talk about them I've I've read quite a few sort of um business leaders have said that every day you know every day you should be talking about one of your values
0: yeah no I I, I couldn't uh, agree more on that It, it they need to be short enough to be remembered. I've seen many documents that've been put together where people are trying to be clever by writing so many words that no one's ever going to remember them. And so, actually, you need something really quite concise. If you're going to write a purpose, a vision, a mission, and values, it needs to have impact. Definitely, it needs to mean something to you. It needs to be actionable, but at the same time, it needs to be memorable. Because if you can't recall it as an owner, or a director, or a manager, then we haven't got much hope for anyone remembering them. And if they're not just being casually spoken about day to day, you know it's not a case of rolling out a PowerPoint at nine every morning and going back through them. Because people, people would just get bored by it. It's more just a general conversation. And I don't think there's anything better when you hear two of your team members trying to make a decision on something and you hear them say, oh, well, if we need to be a bit more friendly or bold or whatever it is we're trying to achieve, We need to do X, and you think that's brilliant. They're the conversations that we should be having because it it gives us guidance, doesn't it? And say makes us a bit more accountable to what we're trying to achieve.
1: Absolutely, and I should say that you just hit the nail on the head. If you've got people that you overhear sort of challenging each other in you know in a a good positive way around the values, then you know you've absolutely nailed it, haven't you? You know you really have embedded those values into your business at that point.
0: Do you think the more can be done in the the HR space within other organizations. Obviously, you support people with, with HR or even take it over in its entirety. But mm-hmm. from your experience of you know other companies where they'll have a HR function, maybe sometimes you support that HR function. Do you think as organizations, maybe leaders of organizations, they need to put more responsibility or allow HR departments to express themselves more to make sure the values are fully integrated Absolutely,
1: yeah, and I think you know I, I run a, a network, so I've run HR networks and talked to a lot of HR directors, and that is a massive bugbear for HR directors. Sometimes that they're not really a lot of time the HR doesn't get a place in the boardroom, and they should. And I think it's more of a a, a compliance piece. You know, it used to be personnel back in the day, didn't it? You know, and in some organisations it still is. In fact, to be honest, Dave, I actually have a rule that like if anybody says to me, oh. I'd like to engage your services. We need personnel. I actually won't work with them.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: because they do, I just they're just too sort of too prehistoric for for me now in terms of the way in which HR should be, it should be that business partner. Yeah. It's very important that a lot of organizations at a sort of senior level, when you do talk around the vision and the values, it's a little bit like, well, I just haven't got the time. Yeah, we need them, but I just haven't got the time to do that. And for me it's it's so crucial that they spend their time and look at their sort of their values because it will save them so much time for other things that we talked about so the disputes you know not confirming somebody in post because they've recruited the wrong people but they just don't see it a lot of the time and don't don't spend but if they're putting like an investor pack together like we talked about or a business plan then you know sort of owners of the business will spend some time on it then so it's it's sometimes the challenge with HR is it's quite difficult to quantify the importance of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think um, you know, the value side of things, which taps, taps into culture and people, is still misunderstood in a lot of places. But maybe people don't know how to action it. I, I often tell a, a made-up story about reception. Let's say or a reception desk, and if you want to be friendly and approachable as a business, that's kind of important to you. You can do a number of things with that. It might be tone of voice or color palette and typography and all those things could make you look friendly and approachable as a company. Ideally, you'd answer the phone within two rings. You'd respond to email within a couple of hours. That would still make you friendly and approachable. And I say, on reception, you just expect to put someone on who's friendly and approachable. But that doesn't always happen. I go into some receptions, a terrible person (laughs) on reception. So you think as a given, you'd normally do that. But I say to people, as a measure... You could say, whoever's on reception, always ask three questions minimum. And that's, where have you come from today? What was your journey like? And what drink do you want? So whoever's on reception will ask those three things. So that helps you be more friendly and approachable. And then I say, okay, that's one measure you can put in tomorrow. Then capture the answers in an Excel sheet, basic stuff. Capture the answers from that person. And then have a trigger when that person comes back in again. And next time they come in, you can say, oh, did you come from Manchester again today? At least it's not raining like last time. Do you want a coffee with milk? Now, your friendly and approachable value has transpired greater just in reception overnight by just putting a few tiny things in place. And that's how I see values being implemented in every single part of a business.
1: Absolutely. No, it's such a good point. And it's funny actually going back to my sort of first business because that was what we used to do. you know. So the hairdressers and the beauticians, would make notes against the file of the the client just around you If they had a, an anniversary coming up, I should say, how did they take the coffee? And it made a massive difference around the retention. So, yeah, you know, if you if you can apply that in your business, it's really, really powerful.
0: And you can apply it anywhere, can't you? You know, we're becoming more digital. And I think because of that, there's less kind of human aspect to it. Too many automated emails that no one rereads so that they allow the software to spit out the, the communication and don't think we need to rewrite that based on our values with our business to make it feel more us so you know it's all part of a business where the values need to you know to play out having gone through what you've gone through and the success you you know you've 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 created for yourself with the different businesses what would you say some of your own personal values are then what, what are the things that you think you hold yourself accountable to because not many people sit and write their own values down. They'll write business values down. But we've all got values that we live by. We just probably don't document them.
1: I think I've, I've always tried to be be kind. Um and I always say that to my I've got two sources. I always say that's important. And you know, girls can be like sometimes they'll, you know, bickering in school. It's like, well, just just be kind and you can never really go go wrong in that way. And I've always found that in a personal life and then professionally as well. So I've always like to think I've got you know a good moral compass and I will always treat people how I expect to be treated and I think through as I've got older I've learned to sort of remove that toxicity if they are different so I suppose it's aligning to my personal values really if somebody's not aligned to my personal values then you know I'll, I'll quickly remove them from either my personal or or business relationships.
0: Yeah and that, that that's the important part of it isn't it you know no one writes their own values down, really. Um, I've read some books where people do or are encouraged to because it's good to understand what you're about as a person and then what makes you kind of have happy or you know, be happy or have some joy in your life. But at the same time, the things that suddenly make you a bit angry or get you upset. And for me, both of those things is because you're either embracing your values or something is going against them. And that could be another person rubbing you up the wrong way or another person that you get on with and enjoy the time, or it could be something within a business, or it could be at a restaurant or a hotel or driving your car on the road. There's certain triggers that will frustrate you or make you happy. What would you say some of the things are that you know you lean towards thinking that's that makes it a better place for me, it makes me more happy? And then some other triggers that you think they're the things that could get you a little bit uptight and angry from time to time.
1: Yeah, I mean I think in terms of make me happy I think it's again, you know, it's it's success, you know, and I don't just measure success as financial, it's that success of um like you know, growing your business and sometimes looking at the people that you employ and that that happy and engaged and you know feeling quite proud of that and you know from a from a home perspective, you know, as your children grow and and that that sort of family family time. In terms of frustrations I used to get probably quite upset actually when when I was younger if somebody <laughs> didn't like me so you know if I because I am quite a personable outgoing person and I always do I would never intentionally try and obsess anybody and I, I you know I like to think in business actually you don't have to be completely ruthless you, you know you can't be a pushover but equally you know if, if you're fair and as, as i always am with, with my clients and, and we're, we're all running a business but if somebody didn't like me and i couldn't really understand why it used to bother me mm. whereas now i think as i've got older i've sort of a lot more confident in myself and so think yeah. well i i know i've not not everyone's gonna like you and actually that's okay you know you just need to move on
0: <laughs> yeah no i i completely um agree with that you know if i look back when you were younger and you know, some of your nervousness might have come around. What do other people think? I, I am, yeah, old nut and not care at all. But again, it comes down to, to values as well, especially from like a brand perspective. The whole point of creating values and a purpose and a brand and an identity is to appeal to a certain type of person or mm-hmm. collective. So I always use Apple as an example, as I believe that's a good brand. It's design-led, It's generally a high-quality product. I kind of believe and trust in it. I've used it since I was 20. 50% of the world or more hate it. You're never going to please everybody. No one can. Brands can't do that either, but nor should they. They're supposed to stand for something. And and, and part of what shapes that is the values that sit behind the business. And I often think that, especially when it's a... you know Every company has been founded to some degree, unless it's a big corporate that creates a new product or a new service overnight... But most startup businesses come from a founder. And often those values that the founder has that are given to them by upbringing, parents, school, are the ones that partly get applied to the business because you want things done in a certain way. Do you think you look back and think some of your personal values have impacted how you have created values for your business as well?
1: Absolutely, because I've always been taught like, one of our values uh, core values is to be personable and I think you know, it links back to what I talked about earlier about wanting to have that boutique offering so we were big enough you know to cope cliche but small enough to care and not not dilute that anyway and I, I was always taught you know the importance of good communication and to pick up the phone don't put things in an email or you know don't don't write something down that you'll regret in the future which one of my teenage daughters does all the time and a text right. one of her friends but you know that is something that I've added as, as a value to the business and it's, it's lovely actually because I do see a lot of the time the sales team or the consultants when they're talking to a client they will talk about that I was the founder why I set it up and that value so they'll talk about well actually she wanted to make a difference she wanted to deliver a more personable service to her clients and you know that's what we do now and I think if I was to survey my team, I think one of the, the core values that they would talk about the most is being personable. It's what they're really proud of. You know, they, 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 are, they are and they're proud of their retention rates and their, the, the service that they deliver. And it probably keeps them at HPC for a lot longer because they enjoy their work, which I think is so massively important. You know, I talk to the team all the time to say, look, we spend more time with each other than we do with our Family, you know, let's make sure we have a great time along the way. We're not, you're not at school, and we're all adults. Let's, you know, let's have a bit of fun, but let's get the job done.
0: Yeah, no, completely. So to finish off, you mentioned your team and how much time you might spend with them. You also mentioned family as well. So of all the things we've discussed today, discussions around values, whether they're business related or client-based values or personal values and things like that. If you were going to take one value from all the discussions we've had and say to a younger person, so it could be your daughters in this case, take that one value, that's the one you're going to pass down and say, this is important, these are the reasons why. What What would you pick out?
1: Well, as I mentioned before, earlier on, if you look at my daughters, and one's 15 now, so I sort of see her, you know, coming up the ranks to be, you know, employed by someone one day, and I'm thinking, gosh, I want to make sure that she's not a nightmare of an employee. I do talk a lot around communication with, with, with my children and, and you know, linking back again to stuff that that personable point because it does concern me massively that the younger generation don't you know my my daughter will sit with her friends um and they'll communicate via their phones on snapchat rather than talk lots of our disputes are a lot of the time around like emails or you know keyboard warriors that have said something to someone it's been misinterpreted and i'm forever saying pick up the phone you know go and have a coffee, sort it out. It's actually not as probably big a deal as as you're perceiving it to be. So that, that to me is, is really important that my children do learn to have those interpersonal softer skills, really. Um, And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, to to be kind, I just think, you know, don't, don't be a pushover in life, but equally, if you play fair and and you are kind, it's, it's, it's incredible how much that's, Reciprocated, uh, you know, and, and that's, I think, has been one of the ingredients of the key to my success as well.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, communication and and communicating in the right way. So that's, you know, a caring aspect of that or uh, saying something as you want to be it said to you is massively important. I think most disputes, whether that's personal in man and wife, relationships, that type of stuff, it's because communication has not been as clear as it could be and it causes a problem. And the same in business and same when it comes to values, about expressing them and seeing them happen all the time. That is communication in itself. And it, and it can shape things. You know, you talk about email and stuff. I, I say to our team, our purpose is to rid the world of bad design and poor communication. So that can happen internally as well. We could have design, badly designed processes over time as we grow. So we need to fix them. We could choose a wrong form of communication. So we need to be aware of that. And depending on what you're doing, a long email isn't good, Where a phone call would be better. A video call might be better now in the modern world because we, we're all accepting of them. And even better, if you could do it, would be a face-to-face conversation if the dispute is needed. But they're all forms of communication, and they're all good at a point in time, but some are bad at points Absolutely. In- well and it's, it's picking the right form of communication deliver it in the right way which I think makes a, a big difference and that can be shaped by making sure you've got the right values in place within a business in the first yeah. place and the right people
1: yeah yeah you know I, I see so many sort of emails I've been sent to somebody and you know they've copied the world in from the, the business and you know that that can be perceived, be perceived in a bullying way you know it, and it, it, it's all what I do always say to a client is it's down to perception. So you may look at that and think it's not offensive. I wouldn't be bothered by that, but somebody else would be. And, you know, it, it, it's it's totally down to perception and you can't change change that. And you can't change that in an employment tribunal a lot of the time as well. it's it's If that person's being perceived as being bullied, harassed, discriminated against, the judge will make the call on the day whether they believe that that was the right perception. So. Uh, I should say there's different types of communication and uh, sometimes it's just the education piece I think a lot of the time as well within an organisation of what one to use at the right time and what's appropriate.
0: Yeah yeah I think you need to be yourself don't you but at the same time you probably need to realise everyone's different and if you could take a step back just pause reread your email think what you're going to say on a call you know it's just consideration isn't it whichever way you, you look at it so that's, that's the main importance really oh
1: dave i do that all the time still i, I still have like a draft. So, you know if you get annoyed by something and i'll send something and i'll and I'll put it in drafts and nine times out of ten i'll go back to it and you know 24 hours later and go I, i'm i'm not even saved by that now you know and it, it could be just had a bad day couldn't you, yeah. you know the kids have annoyed you You've been stuck in traffic when you came in. Something's yep. bothered you that
0: wouldn't normally bother you. <laughs> uh, well, completely. And again, that's that's partly your own internal values, isn't it? Playing up or down uh, in some way. So it's always important just to to know where you're at with something. So, like, I'd like to thank you for joining us and and all the insights into you know the businesses that you've 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 grown over the time and the successes you've had and sharing both personal values and and business values and and what impact they have. It's been great chatting to you. Ho- hopefully, we can chat again soon.
1: Absolutely. Thank you,
0: Dave. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. Make sure you're following so you don't miss the next one. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. It's David O'Hearns. I'm always up for a chat. For now, that's branding done and I'll see you next time.